0: Do you guys love and appreciate yeah. Yeah. If Kimber? If Kimber has blessed, encouraged, enriched your life in any way uh, in the last six months, can you get really loud? Alright, alright, without any further ado. <laughs> Take away Kimber. <laughs> Thanks, give me one second, I need my... Hand. And I need the more filter. Yeah, give me one more time. Splint on. Um, so I'm just going to address that first because multiple have asked me and I said, I'll answer it later. And so now's the time. Um, so your girl was ice skating on Thanksgiving. I love it. Like, okay, maybe that's maybe that's a strong word, love. Um, I enjoy ice skating with my family. I've gone a few times. Um, but yeah, so we were doing a Thanksgiving because my sister wanted to go. It was a great time. Um, but your girl is like a newborn baby deer when it comes to ice skating. And so, I literally had just said that to my parents, gone up to the side, and I was like, I'm gonna die. And they were like, it's gonna be okay, you're doing great. And so I'm like, I'm going, I'm getting more confident, I'm getting more confident, so I'm going a little faster. Don't do that when you're new to the ice. Don't go fast. Do Your girl went fast. Anyway, so, her feet went, woo! Her hands went, ah! And then her bone went, right So, girl is uh, got a fraction, and that is what's happening here. So, it's a great time. I would give you a thumbs up, but it's very sad looking. Thumbs up. Thumbs up. On the other side. Can't really... Maybe I can pass it like this. I can hold it like this. Wow, okay, cool. We're not going to do that. That sucks. (laughs) Yeah, that would probably fall out later. (laughs) But, um... This is going to be interesting, actually, because I'm going to have to move my head around. So it might be that we have this here. Anyway, please be patient with me. That's all I ask. Thank you, thank you. So cool. you want a accent? That might be a good idea, actually. With one hand, that might be right. appreciate that. <laughs> I didn't really, we didn't really come in here like, How Kimber just thought, oh, will be fine, so, yeah, we'll, we'll use this microphone right here. or should I at least use that? yeah, that one works, yeah, thank you, thank you, so, that might be good, Am I, I might need to be really close, yes, it's, it's like a high school graduation, <laughs> it's like a high school <laughs> graduation, um, sweet, let me make sure this is good, thank you guys, I appreciate it, <laughs> like, anyway, <laughs> so. Thank you, Lord, for this time. Thank you, God, that um, no matter all the, what's the word? Uh, Things that just come in our way, God, the little inconveniences, all of that kind of stuff, that pales in comparison to who you are and what you want to do tonight. And God, I thank you that in spite of this arm, Lord, in spite of all the things that want to come against our hearts, our minds tonight, Lord, that you are here, Lord, you are working and you are speaking to our hearts and our spirits right now in the name of Jesus, Lord, and I know that you have a word for this group of students, Lord, for this group of individuals, and God, you want to speak life into them, you want to speak hope into them, and God, I pray that I would step back, Lord, and that your glory would shine. Lord, that your word would be made known. And Lord, that you would draw these individuals, Lord, these students, these people, Lord, your children, unto yourself. God, I thank you for the opportunity to speak. Lord, I thank you for the opportunity to be before these incredible people, Lord, uh, my friends. And God, I thank you that your word is true and your word is alive. Lord, may your will be done tonight in this service. Lord, may you be glorified. Amen. So. This semester we have talked about who Jesus is, who we are, and the mandates that God has set before us, so kind of how those two things, those truths, impact how we live. Hmm? Sorry. <laughs> Everything we've learned and talked about has been so, so good, from bringing students to, from belonging to belief, learning that Jesus is gentle and lowly being called to reach the nations and being sent out into our own neighborhoods to touch the people in our own lives. But if we don't put those things into practice, then truly all those lessons are, are just a good lesson. That's it. they were just a good word that was spoken on a Wednesday night. We're moving toward winter break and some toward graduation. And I want to ask you guys what have you learned? What have you implemented? Where is your heart? Or better, what's in your heart? So in my 25 years, I have learned many a lesson. Many a lesson, many a lesson, many a lesson. My dad is an everything is a teachable moment kind of guy. There's your, there's your call out, dad, whenever you listen to this later. Um, not not gonna lie, you guys. After the, I fractured this on Thursday, we we're driving back on Friday, and he was just like, "You should you should try to like have like a, a like a little thing in your in your message about like your hand and connect it to what you want to do." And I'm like, "Dad, that's not gonna work." So here it is, here it is, Dad. That's for you. Um, everything is a teachable moment. A broken wrist is a teachable moment. Everything is a teachable moment. On top of that, I spent 18 and a half years in school. You guys can figure that out. Um, plus a year in an internship. Lessons on lessons on lessons on lessons. And there were a lot of things that I would tell myself I understood or tell others that I understood when I really didn't. I was like, yeah, I got it. 100 yeah. I understand what's going on. I didn't. Um, <laughs> or I would learn the right thing. And I would say that that's what I was doing, but it really wasn't. One of my not-so-proud moments to look back on, sorry, this is still funny, um, was when I was in band class in middle school. So I don't know how many of you have been in band. I know one currently, a few currently are, yeah. How many of you have been in band in your life? Um, But our teacher, Mr. Geiger, had us (laughs) fill out practice sheets every week. We had to prove that we practiced. And I want to say it was maybe like 10 hours a week, something like that. We had to like jot it down, count the hours, and honestly, you guys, I hated it so much. I hated it so much. I was that kid, I played the clarinet, and like there's like four different pieces to the clarinet, and I'd take like the top two, and whatever you do, it's just like the reed and this little neck thing, and whenever you blow into that, it makes this high pitch, (laughs) and I would do that. Forever and my mom hated it because that's all I wanted to do. I didn't want to actually like play scales and like anyway All that kind of stuff. I was just like In my room forever (laughs) It was a great time. I hated practicing, but I loved annoying my family So (laughs) So um, But I had to fill out this practice sheet. I had to fill it out. I had to put the hours in So, what did I do? I filled it out! I put that I practiced two hours every day. So if you're listening, Mr. Gagger, I lied. I'm sorry. (laughs) What is dumb, and I hope I can say that. What is dumb, though, is that I wished that I was first chair. So if you don't know what first chair is, um, if you weren't like a band person, it was generally given to like the person who's like, it was like a place of honor kind of, but it was also given to like the person, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, um, but it was like the person who was like the most experienced or like is the most qualified or like wants anyway, being honored or different things like that. So um, traditionally, and I was so angry because I was not first chair. And I was just like, why can't I be first chair? But I had not actually practiced. And I'm sure Mr. Geiger knew. Mr. Geiger was not dumb. (laughs) He was not stupid. My pride said that I was better. (laughs) I thought that I was better. But my heart was not in playing. And my life did not reflect what I said that I was doing. And people could tell. How many times in our lives have we said one thing and done something totally different? How many times have we said and done something <laughs> not the same thing? It's a difference I promise you that. <laughs> How many times have we said and done something but we weren't happy about it? We weren't willing and our hearts weren't in it. Maybe it was something like not practicing scales or songs when you were supposed to, and you said you did. Maybe it was telling your parents that you did a chore when you hadn't yet. <laughs> you're like, yeah, I definitely remembered, and they're like, we on our way home, and you're like, crap, I did not do that. <laughs> Maybe it was telling your accounta- accountability partner or your friend that you had read your Bible. You'd block that website you did that assignment. Or you stopped messaging that girl or guy when in reality, you didn't. (laughs) Sometimes our mouths have a way of saying things in order to prove something to our heads, our hearts, or to the people around us. Yet we know it's not true. In some way or other, we've been deceptive ourselves, to the people around us, to God. Or maybe we haven't been deceptive, but we know what's right, and yet we're not doing it. Well, tonight we're going to talk about a group of people whose hearts didn't live up to what they said. In Jeremiah, we see a long history of disobedience being addressed and punished. God called Jeremiah, when he was just a youth, to speak to the people of Israel and act as his mouthpiece. And when I say long history of disobedience, I mean a long history of disobedience. Imagine years and years of disobedience toward God. Judge after judge after judge leading the people and the people rejecting God. Them calling them to righteousness and them still rejecting God. King after king after king and the people rejecting God. Only a few kings in the history of Israel truly walked and obeyed, all walked with and obeyed the Lord. Yet the people continued to live in sin. Jeremiah was called to warn the people before it was too late. God had given them chance after chance after chance. And he was letting them know that they had another chance to follow him. But if they didn't, then they would be sent as exiles into a foreign land. And unfortunately, we can see in history, spoiler alert, they didn't listen. So in Jeremiah 9, 7 through 9... It says, Therefore, thus says the Lord of hosts Behold, I will refine them and test them, for what else can I do because of my people? Their tongue is a deadly arrow, it speaks deceitfully. With his mouth, each speaks peace to his neighbor, but in his heart, he plans an ambush for him. Shall I not punish them for these things? declares the Lord, And I shall not avenge myself on a nation such as this? And shall I not avenge myself on a nation such as this? So before this section of scripture, Jeremiah is grieving for his people, talking about their deceit and their oppression, not the oppression on them, but their oppression towards each other. And God's answer, I will refine and test them. God sees the deceit and hypocrisy of the people. He sees their hearts, the inner workings of who they are and what that means. And he says that he will refine and test them. He saw that they held deceit and hatred for their neighbors. They would say one thing, flattering and speaking peace to their neighbors, but secretly har- harboring ill will and hatred. So God was going to refine and test them. He wanted to root this evil out of his people because evil can have no place with God. God can have no place with evil. Now, right now it feels a little heavy. But let me remind you that this is a people who said they would follow the Lord. Yet, they lived out rebellion for hundreds of years. They made covenants and promises to God. And they broke every single one. Yet, how often do we do the same thing? How often do we say kind things to someone's face? Yet, in our hearts, we truly don't like them. We think poorly of them or we share things about them that are not our business to share. And instead of showing them love, praying for them, and desiring God's best for them genuinely. How often do we promise something or say we'll do something and not follow through or avoid the responsibility that we've agreed to? What is in our hearts? Jeremiah 9, 23-24 says, Thus says the Lord, Let not the wise man boast in his wisdom. Let not the mighty man boast in his might. Let not the rich man boast in his riches. But let him who boasts, boast in this, that he understands and knows me. That I am the Lord who practices steadfast love, justice, and righteousness in the earth. For in these things I delight, declares the Lord. We can talk all day long about what we know, whether it's our own wisdom, our strength, our mental fortitude, how secure we are financially or not, how confident we are of the future, anything. But none of those things bring us purpose. None of those things bring us joy. We may boast that we come to Chi every week, That we serve with believing every month to give out groceries to people in need. That we give to so many missionaries so the gospel can be preached to the nations around the world. That we've gone to so many retreats and been on so many project trips. But if that's what's in your heart, if that's what you're focused on, then you have nothing to stand on. Instead, do we know God? Do we meditate on his love, his justice, and his righteousness? Do we walk with him and seek to understand who he is? My hope is that we will seek more of God and count everything else as nothing like Paul in comparison to the riches of knowing God. When we look at the things that we spend our time on, when we look at what fills our heart, is it God and the good things that he is? So then, Jeremiah nine twenty-five through twenty-six say, "Behold, the days are coming," declares the Lord. This is the continuation of Jeremiah nine twenty-four through uh, twenty-three through twenty-four. Declares the Lord, "When I will punish all those who are circumcised merely in the flesh, Egypt, Judah, Edom, the sons of Ammon, Moab, and all who dwell in the desert, who cut the corners of their hair. For all these nations are uncircumcised, but all the house of Israel are uncircumcised in heart." Here we see God addressing the punishment to come once again. Those who were uncircumcised would be punished. Now, a little bit of a lesson. Circumcision, you can look it up. I'm not going to explain all of it necessarily medically right now. Um, But it was an act that became a sign and seal of God's covenant. The commentary in the Fire Bible student edition on circumcision when it was first introduced in Genesis 17 says, Number one it was a sign that they had accepted God's covenant and God himself as their Lord. Number two, it was a seal of the right relationship that they had with him by faith. And number three, it was a reminder of God's promises to them and their obligations then to him. There were many nations that didn't follow the Lord and didn't have a covenant with him. Though anyone who joined Abraham's house or people, had to be circumcised in order to enter into that covenant with God. And while those who disobeyed and didn't have a covenant with God would be punished for living in disobedience, God declares here that while His people were living with a mark of covenant on their very bodies, in their very life, they could see it every day, their hearts were uncircumcised and were far from Him. while they like while they could see the mark of covenant on themselves that sign that they were accepted they had accepted God's covenant and God himself as their lord they did not act on that they did not truly accept God's covenant and accept God as their lord they were worshipping other gods while they said that it was a seal of the right relationship that they had with him by faith they didn't walk in faith they walked in disobedience They walked saying, okay, this quote-unquote God, this idol, this thing is going to help us. Where is God at? When he showed time and time and time again that he was faithful. While it was a reminder, while the uh, circumcision, the uh, physical circumcision was a reminder of God's promise to them and their obligations to him, their hearts were far from him. They didn't follow any of the obligations that they had. And they didn't remember God's promises to them. They continued to walk away and say, eh, who's God to us? What does that matter? What did he do for us? And how are we different from the Israelites? What's in our hearts? Are we people who go to church and come to Chi Alpha and say, that's a good word, Preacher. That is a good word, Matt. That's a good word, Jackie. That's a good word, Natalie. That's a good word, Kimber. And then we leave. And we never let God change us. Our motives, our perspectives, as we talked about last school year, our dreams, our lives. God wants to be involved in every part of your life. You know, I've like had this kind of picture of like my heart that the lord has used for the last few years now and for me it's like a picture of a house and i've probably mentioned it before if you know me you've probably heard me say it um but like i picture my heart as a house um he showed me like kimber i want to see what's in your garage because you know your garage is where you throw all the junk that one room that you throw all the junk he's like i want to get in there i want to see that part and it's true God wants to be involved in every single part of your life. And in viewing my life as a house, I was like, okay, what are the parts that I have tidy? What's are the part of my, what are the parts of my heart that I say, these are welcome for acceptable company? <laughs> People can come. They can sit in my living room. It's nice and pretty in there. This part of my heart, I'm absolutely ready to have the Lord see. This part is so gorgeous. I can like present this to Him. It's not ugly at all. And like I, I'm confident that then once I'm like I've had my time with the Lord and we've talked about those things that are like in my living room. Maybe my kitchen might be like a little untidy in there. There might be some mess. Like those things, we can talk about, and I'll be fine. I will be fine. But God doesn't just want to go into the public spaces of your heart. He wants to go into every part of your heart. He wants to be welcomed into every part of your life. He's not dissatisfied with seeing the things that you're okay with being seen. Those aren't the things that need mending. Those aren't the things that need being cleared out. I know that I have a back room in my heart. Things that like, I've stuffed into the back. The things that I'm just like, Lord, I don't know if I want to touch those things yet. Those things hurt. Those things are hard. That's where disobedience lives. That's where hatred lives. That's where uncertainty lives. That's where lies live. That's where all of these different things live. And I don't like going there. I don't like even walking into that room. I've almost locked the door even to myself. But God says, no, I want to go into that room. Because the things that you think are too shameful for me to see are the very things that I want to walk with you in. The very things that I want to help you walk out, the very things that like, I want to help clear out of your life. And when you show it to me, when you open the door, when you unlock it and you say, okay, here it is. You do not have to hang your head in shame while he walks in, walks around, and he's not going to look at you and go, this place is full of crap. That's not God. He's going to walk in. He's going to be like, come with me. Okay, I see it. Let's touch this area. Let's work on this area. It doesn't have to be, and it's not, shame. God wants to walk with you in truth. And he wants your life to be filled with his presence. His presence wants to be in every space that you are. Every part of your heart, every part of your life. And when we see that, when we realize that, when we accept him, when we accept that invitation and we open up the doors of our heart to him, he will gladly walk into every single part. If you haven't heard, and Matt already kind of touched on it, but God loves you so much that he sent his son Jesus to die for us, for you. And it's through accepting Jesus as Lord and Savior of our lives. So not only the one who saved us, not only the one who makes us have connection with the Father, but also the one who leads us, who is welcome into all of those spaces of our hearts, who we say, yes, Lord, absolutely, whatever you say, that we can have right relationship with God the Father. That being said, we live in an upside-down world where it's okay to have your heart be deceptive, where it's okay to shove the ugly things into the back. But God wants to draw us to himself, make us right in him, and lead us to be more like him, having a character that's good, lovely, full of life and joy. David said in Psalm 1914, Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord my rock and my redeemer. The people of Israel were given many chances to turn to the Lord. Yet, as they flattered him with their lips, they would worship other gods and their hearts weren't in it. May we boast in the Lord and may our hearts desire him. Instead of saying, that's a good word, and doing nothing, how can we invite the Lord in? How can the words of our mouths and the meditations of our hearts be pleasing to him? To start, we can be honest. Like David was, after he was corrected and confronted, David, King David, the one who just wrote the psalm that I just mentioned, um, after he was confronted about sleeping with a married woman and ending her husband's life, the same David who said that psalm that I just shared cried out to God in Psalm 51.10. He cried out for God to create in him a clean heart and renew a right spirit within him. And I recommend going back and reading Psalm 51 as well as Psalm 19. Honestly, no wonder David was considered a man after God's own heart. He was a man who accepted corruption, who was honest, and sought that his heart would match the words of his mouth, the things that he said he would do in his life, the things that he said about God, that he was obeying him, that he was following him. He sought his heart to match those words. Twice in Ezekiel, God says that he will give his people a new heart and a new spirit, Removing their hearts of stone and giving them a heart of flesh, in Ezekiel 11:19 and 36, 26. This is an age-old problem. If they needed help renewing their heart back then, we need help renewing our heart now. Yet God Himself says that He will be with His people. He says that if we turn to Him, He will renew our hearts and renew our spirits. How would our campus be changed? if we allowed the Lord to change us first. What would it look like if you went home over the Christmas break and instead of allowing yourself to fall back into old patterns and habits, we allowed God to shift and change the things we thought would always stay the same? I know that was a process for me. Going home from school and everything like that, you have all these old things that would just come back to you. But as I walked with the Lord, as I pursued Him, He helped me Gain freedom over those things that would try to entrap me whenever I would go home. I think people, if we allowed the Lord to change us first, I think people would see that there's a difference in us. I think it would be visible. I think they'd see that we aren't the same person we used to be. I think if we allowed the Lord to look into every every part of our heart, our lives, that we would be absolutely transformed. I think this campus is waiting on something like that. I think our families and our friends need change in their lives too. Yet if we say that we're Christians, but nothing in our lives actually change from how we used to live before we said we were Christians, then what is the point? So what's in your heart today? Is there something that you need to give to the Lord in order to live in obedience and live a transformed life? Have you wanted to change? Have you wanted to grow, but felt like you've maybe hit a wall? It feels too hard, and you just feel far from God, and you're not sure how to move forward. I want you to know that God hasn't forgotten you. He hasn't left you. And all you have to do is turn it in. So we're going to pray. I want to invite people to come. (laughs) Um, So if you don't know this Jesus that I've talked about, and you aren't even sure where to start when it comes to having your heart be transformed, we want to pray with you. We would love to talk with you about what it looks like to invite Jesus into that space to invite him into your heart and into your life. If you feel that you have a hard heart, that you've wanted to change but you're not sure how, we'd love to pray with you. And if you want to ask the Lord to change your heart and help it match what you say is in your life, we'd like to pray with you too. So, would you come? We'd love to pray with you. said, you know, I'm done with this because I know it's slowly killing me? Lord, would we allow you to come into our lives? Lord, to come into those spaces, to come into our hearts, Lord Jesus, and cut those things out. Lord, you don't come at us with shame. Lord, that is a lie of the enemy and tactic that has stopped us from walking in freedom for so long. God, you are not a God of shame, but Lord, you are a God who draws us. Lord, yes, with conviction. But conviction just means that we see that we have done wrong. And Lord, you draw us to yourself to walk in newness of life. Lord, would you touch hearts right now in the name of Jesus? Lord, would your Holy Spirit minister to every single person in this room, Lord, and as they examine their hearts, Lord, as they examine what's going on in their lives, Lord, as they examine the parts of their hearts, Lord, that they haven't opened the door to you yet. Lord, or maybe they've even locked it to themselves Lord would they see Lord and I pray for just Against you. Lord, you are victorious, you are mighty, you are holy, and you are good. Lord, you have good things for us. Lord, you don't ask us to give up anything, Lord, when you don't have something better for us in the long run, when you know it's not ultimately going to be for our good. Father, you are a good God. Lord, you see our lives. Lord, do you see what we need. Lord, you see our hearts. Lord, let the meditations of our mouths, or the words of our mouths, sorry, and the meditation of our hearts be acceptable in your sight.